Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Joni Stahl's Field Notes. It's good to be here again another day. So I want to welcome you back again. And I, I just feel so alive again today. I actually wasn't even going to make a video today. I was going to wait until Friday because I have a really busy week. But man, I'll tell you, strike while the iron's hot. And if Jesus has something in me that he wants to get out I'm saying, let the living waters flow. I'm not one to put Jesus on the back burner. Everything else can go on the back burner for this period of time. And so before I get started, as always, I want to honor Jesus Christ by placing him in the center of this message and pray that he opens up your ears as mine as I speak. So will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I come before you today. I come before you, Father in heaven. And I want to humbly, humbly thank you for the privilege of being alive, for being a vessel, just a simple, ordinary vessel, a common vessel. For I come to you to have your living waters flow out of my vessel into the vessels of everybody who's thirsting after you. Lord, I ask that you shut the doors on the wicked one from interfering with me or with those listening. That you would order the words of my mouth and that you would open the ears of the hearers and bind the crows of the devil. Lord, let your name be exalted over all the earth and in this message. And let me hide behind your cross that no one would see me, but they will only see you. I thank you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> okay, so I woke up this morning and all day yesterday, I was really stressed out. And I don't know what was happening with me. It's not like anything bad was going on. In fact, everything was fine. But I just came under this heavy, like, I could feel the enemy trying to get me to be mad about every li little thing. And I know better than to fall for that. Like, I know better. Like, I, I work at controlling anger or frustration, the degrees of it, because if it's not warranted, then it's not right that I, it's like, I, I look at it like this. I don't have any rights. It's not my right just because I'm in a bad mood or my blood sugar levels are off or I'm having a hormone experience. It's not my right to talk to anybody meanly or be short with people. And yesterday I was kind of getting short with people at home and and I really had to fight all day. And I was like, Lord, this is a heavy attack on me trying to unseat me from joy. And no matter what I did, I could not get any peace. And I went to bed with a terrible headache and I woke up with a headache and I got before the Lord and, and I just started to talk to him. And it was one of those kind of times where you, you know, where you pray and you're like, okay, so I prayed, I guess I'll read my Bible now. 
I'm not saying I got to feel some big move of the spirit every time I pray, but I was still feeling this awful pressure. And I was like, man, I can't get rid of it. And so I got into his word and I said, Lord, I'm just going to get into your word. And I started to remember what it was like when I was a child that came to Christ and how I went through the years of my life. And I know this is Jesus. After a few minutes, I thought, this is Jesus. And I remembered, and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, remember when you read your word, when you read the word, because you were getting to know me. And remember the years of your life when you were in trouble, when you were afraid, when you were in bondage, where you backslid, where you found yourself in enemy territory, even when you sinned against me. Remember how you always went back to the Bible, to your word, and you weren't reading it for any other reason but to be made free. And I had realized that, I'll speak for myself, that in age, perhaps I didn't realize that, you know, I have this course that I'm on and I get up and I do devotions and I, I'm i serious about it. I mean, it's not just like I'm doing this for duty and I, you know, I'm, you know, making marks on the wall with the, you know, four marks with a angled fifth mark across the four to say, yes, I've done my devotions. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. That's not the kind of Christian that I am. I actually get up and spend time with Jesus because he is my life. Like seriously, he is my life. He is the reason I wake up in the morning. I'm no, I'm not vitriolic. I, I'm not, I don't have, I don't do these things and say these things to you for some great merit. I'm just talking to you. And in fact, I feel like even in prayer that I tell Jesus sometimes when I start stumbling around and getting entangled in this wilderness, I feel like I I stop and I say to myself, you know what, Joni, what are you doing? Who do you think you're talking to? You're talking to the God who made you, who created you. And unless and until you can be absolutely and truthfully honest to Jesus Christ, then go away and don't come back until you can be completely truthful and honest with Jesus about what you're really feeling and then say it like you mean it. And see, this has been my, my course through my life. And that was one of these mornings where I just, it wasn't even in prayer. It was that I read the word and I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about where I came from. I was thinking about all the years of my life and something strange happens to people when you get to be my age and older, you start really, it's, and it's, it's like involuntary. You thoughts are coming in about your life. Like, I mean, thoughts, I don't even, I don't dwell in my past. I don't try to go back and linger in some dark shadow of when this happened or that happened. But I started to notice something happening on its own is that my life is like flashing before me in my mind. And I've been noticing as I'm getting older, I'm seeing all the way that I've been. Everything that I've done, even things I have fully forgotten that I've ever done or done to me, 
or have been, they're coming to my mind. And even a couple days ago, I said, Lord, it's just too much. I had a horrible life. I don't want to remember these things. And I've really, and that was part of, I think, part of my spiritual stress I was under is that I was thinking, oh, how I wish those years never happened. Oh, how I wish that never happened to me. Oh, how I wish I was born in a family that loved me. My life would never have turned out this way or that way. Oh, I wish, I wish that I those things were never done to me. Or I wish I'd been this or wish had been that. I would have had more advantage. And I was thinking all these thoughts. And then uh, those were thoughts of my flesh. And then I was in my spirit saying, what are you, what are you saying? If you had not gone through all those things, you wouldn't be who you are today. And then there was this clash and this wrestling. And a part of me wanted to completely forget all those terrible things that I, I that of my life. And this other part of me was fighting not to forget all those terrible things of my life. And then this morning, I thought about... what it really means to be free. And I think about all the people in the Gospels that sought for Jesus and followed him around. Even to this day, everybody that seeks for Christ is because they want something from him. People go to Bible studies. They go to church. They they read their Bibles. They they do these things because really ultimately there's something in them that wants to be free. And the people in those days that followed him around, all they had was the law and there was no freedom under the law. And so when Jesus Christ came on the scene, God, the God, God made manifest in the flesh, the God of love, We'll never know what they felt like. We're, we're never going to know what it was like to literally see him. Well, not now in this this lifetime. What it felt like to actually see him with our eyes and to say along with John when he said in John, 1 John 1, 1, that which we have seen, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. But Christ has been made manifest to us by his spirit. And though we cannot see him physically, we do actually really see him because we see him spiritually now. So it's not necessary that he materializes to us that we can actually touch and handle. I don't want to touch that Jesus here. I want to touch him there in heaven. So I... My husband got up and all of a sudden I felt broken and I started sobbing and this moving was happening in me in the spirit. And I said to him, I said, listen, I just want to say something to you. I said, 
all I want to be in this life is a servant of Christ from the heart. And the true freedom comes from the heart. Our freedom from Christ. Yes, we've been delivered from sin, death, and hell. But yet, even myself, I had to think about it. But are you really free? And then I was thinking about all the people right now. I mean, there's all these different classes of Christians and and people that are still searching and people lost in New Age and people lost in false religions that are in bondage to all those lies. You see, there's always something in every human being God created on earth from the beginning of man that they seek for something they cannot put their finger on. But they think they're seeking for something spiritual. But Jesus Christ became God in the flesh. And we have eyewitnesses that said that which we have seen. Let me go back. That which was was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life for the life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. And the people that wrote this were eyewitnesses. The people that wrote the gospels, the letters to the churches, they were eyewitnesses. Of Jesus Christ. That's why I listened to them. Because they saw him for themselves. They heard him for themselves. Some even saw him in their glory. In his glory. Like Peter, James and John. On the Mount of Transfiguration. Or Paul when he died. I believe it was when he was stoned to death. When he was dragged out of Lystra. And he said that he was taken into the third heaven. All the things he saw in 1 Corinthians 12, he saw heaven. You see, after you've seen him, after you have heard him, after you have handled that word of life, and you have tasted of the powers to come and been made partakers Let me get over here. That once you've been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, once you have partaken of that, it says, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, it's like, I think really what he's saying is, you know, those who are really born again, their eyes are open. Your spiritual eyes are open, but you're not just, they're not just open spiritually to see the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Or like John said in chapter five of revelation, and I saw a lamb that had been slain. He saw Jesus. 
And we see Jesus through his eyes. And we hear Jesus speaking to us. Echoing forever and ever and ever. And you know, I broke down and I cried this morning. And I said, Lord, you said you feed among the lilies in Song of Solomon. And you said we're to be like the lilies that grow. And, you know, I started about back again that I remember there was a period of time in my life where I was like studying and researching and burning the midnight oil, studying theology, digging into apologetics. And, you know, I came full circle to my eyes being open at this older age about what freedom really means. I'm going to start with Matthew 13, 1 through 5. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And you know what I was saying about how I was looking at all the in-between parts of my life and how much I put on myself. Now, I don't regret all that study. It's in here now for the Holy Spirit to use at his behest. Not for me to pull out and spar with other Christians so I could, you know, stand on top and beat my chest. I'm not interested in that anymore. You see, Jesus knew where he came from and where he was going. And if we know where we have come from and where we are going to, we can spend the rest of our lives on earth with a towel around our waist. It won't matter. It wouldn't matter. We could live in obscurity. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, Jesus knew where he came from and where he was going back to. So there was a selfless life. There was no pride in ministry, no success. Let me see how many people are following me today. Oh, there's a little couple of people less than I decided. I'm going to hold my venue over there by the Sea of Galilee tomorrow. And then the next day, then we'll see what the numbers were. See, Jesus had this freedom that he wants you to have and me to have. And if we can get this sense of direction, we're not going to be discouraged when things go wrong or they don't happen right. Or we don't see people come to Christ after we've prayed for them for 20 years. 
or we've given money to somebody and we know they blew it on cigarettes or booze or whatever. And we're like, well, I don't know if I want to give any more to them because they're spending it on things I'm not sure of. Then don't give. Don't give your money away to anybody. If it's listen, once that money leaves your hand, remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, whatsoever uh, be, it says, therefore, be ye always steadfast. Be ye steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For whatsoever things you do in his name are not in vain. So whatever you give, it may never, you may never see the fruits of the work that you do in anybody's life. You may not see the addict that you tried to help and you gave your house over to and they stole from you or or people that you have like invested your whole life into and they're still as rotten as they were. It doesn't matter. See, when you know where you are, where you came from and where you are going and that everything that you have done and stretched forth your hands in the name of Jesus Christ, you did it unto him. Let me share something with you. I was in a very difficult marriage for 22 years. I mean, it was nothing short of the worst miserable 22 years of my life. And I remember there was a period of time in my life where I was praying, praying, praying. And I prayed through the whole thing, but here's where it changed. I said, I remember I was crying because I cried a lot. And I remember I was crying one day over my, and I was, I had my Bible open and I was sobbing. I broke down. I started crying. And I said, Jesus, I don't know how much more I could take. I said, I keep, I keep doing everything I can in prayer. And I know I'm not going to stop. I'm just telling you, there's not much more I could take. Anyways, I prayed through. And when I got done talking to Jesus about it, I looked down and it was uh, Proverbs 31, 12. And it said, for she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And Jesus spoke to me. He said, I'm not asking you to do good and not evil to do good and not evil all the days of his life. I'm asking you to do good all the days of your life. Because all the good was sown through the name and by the glorious name of Jesus Christ. And he wound up getting saved, beautifully saved, just days before he went into glory. I can attest to that. So if you get this sense of direction, you're not going to be discouraged. Because, like I said, everything you're doing, you're not going to know after perhaps maybe you'll die. Well, you're going to have to trust that everything was not on you anyway. You were doing good and not evil towards all these people all the days of your life. It's on you. It's not that look at all I've done and they're still as rotten. He still is mean. But I am an absolute believer that what Jesus is showing me is this beautiful freedom 
because when we realize where we're going, we're not going to be proud. Why should we be proud? Why should we be discouraged? It's not on us if those we're praying for or we give money to refuse to come to Jesus Christ and stay where they're at. God is listening to our prayers. He is a God that answers prayer. He would never tell us to pray and not answer. And he will answer. He will answer. He answers one way yet another, Job says, but man does not perceive it. And he's doing a work. He's doing an excellent work. And those that you are praying for, nothing is in vain that you're doing. Don't be discouraged. It's not on you. It's not. In Deuteronomy 5.15, let's go back a ways into history. It says in Deuteronomy 5.15, it says, And remember, thou was a servant in the land of Egypt. Remember that. He was telling them, this is what you're going to remember. And it didn't just mean once in a while. It's like, never forget it. Remember that thou was a servant in the land of Egypt. And that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commands thee to keep the Sabbath day. You know, God, you see these people who were had no freedom, cruelly oppressed for 400 years. God said he came down for the cries of the oppressed had reached into his ears. And when he delivered them, he said, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to put blood on the lentils outside of their doorposts and they wouldn't be destroyed by the destroying angel. But when it was time to leave, they had to pass under the blood. And then they were delivered through the sea. They were baptized in the sea, as it says of Moses in Hebrews chapter four. And then they were brought out into the desert. And they were commanded to keep the Sabbath day. It was like God was saying, listen, you're free now. You don't have to worry anymore. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to make sure your shoes don't wear out. I'm going to make sure your clothing doesn't wear out. And there's going to be a day where I just want you to rest. And, you know, it's turned into, you know, like there's certain community, you know, Hebrew roots community. It's like, you know, that we're not under that law because if we're going to put ourselves under the law of Sabbath keeping, but then we're going to have to obey the full law. Reading the law was that a person that did not keep the Sabbath, you can read that in the rest of chapter 15, was put to death. Well, Jesus Christ became, he didn't take away the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill it in himself. And we speak of a new day. It's called the Lord's Day. And it's not what everybody thinks. I mean, if you really do your study right, you know, people want to go, well, that's the Catholic Sunday. And I'm not going to get into that. I fully believe. And plus, not to mention, they were not under the Gregorian calendar. They were under the Julian calendar, which was eight days. So just do your little bit of a homework, okay? So it wasn't the Sunday that we think. But the point I'm making is, see, 
He's saying, I demand that you rest now. And see, when we were unsaved and we were slaves to sin, we were cruelly oppressed. We had no freedom in our spirit. We lived an external life. We looked for everything to comfort us. We, whoever we are, whatever the thing is, people drink, they take pills, they smoke pot, they, they, whatever it is, there's people who are addicted to shopping because they're filling up something that's empty inside of them. They get involved in the occult. They get involved and Satan gets involved and it's a mess. But then Jesus came and then he died and he paid our sin debt in full with his blood. Then we were purchased by his blood and we were delivered from that spiritual Egypt. And we were given new clothing of robes of righteousness and truth. Fine linen, which will also be our clothing in heaven. So in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And in 1 Corinthians 7.23, it says, You are bought with a price, be ye not servants of men. And I want to talk about that because in the religious system of this world, even in the system that we call Christianity, is we don't really realize that there is a bondage to being servants of men in the system, the church system. Now, this isn't not to put anybody down that goes into a church. Please understand. But there is a system of doing things, and a lot of people don't understand what it means to truly be free. It's not in doing all these things and having a perfect attendance and going here and going there and reading this and doing that and joining this and joining that. In fact, that becomes a weariness. All that buzzing around becomes a menace to the Holy Spirit. And so really, while people are externally applying themselves to the world, the Christian, you know, being a Christian and going out and doing and doing and doing, internally they're slaves. And that might be you. Maybe internally you're, you're still a slave. And you're still so discouraged because you keep trying really hard and you're discouraged. You know why you're discouraged? Because you're expecting something to happen that didn't happen. But you see, it's not on you. See, I took so much not understanding upon me thinking, and I remember my early days like, oh my gosh, when I tried to witness to that person, they they yelled at me or they, they oh, whatever, you know? And I would take it so hard. I don't take it hard anymore. You see, God doesn't want you to be a servant of men because when you become a servant of men, then all of a sudden you're serving in this horizontal dimension where now it's about, I got to do this and I got to do that. And so inside your spirit man withers. You're so busy buzzing around. You're trying so hard to keep up with the spiritual Joneses that you have forgotten where you came from. And you know what? I am going to remember the family I came from. And this is not to put them down. I'm going to, 
Let myself remember I was born in a home where there was no love. I'm going to remember being rejected by family members. I'm going to remember when I was spat upon, rejected, people mistreating me, my shortcomings, all the, everything. I'm going to purpose myself to remember where I came from. I listened to a story from a woman named Jackie Pullinger. And she was talking about when uh, she's a missionary to Hong Kong. And she was saying, and this is such a good example, and I'm going to share it. And she said, um, I spoke to a, a woman. I'm going to try and get the story right. I spoke to a woman um, who who prostitutes when she was there during the uh, walled city, um, it was filled up with prostitutes and the older prostitutes would buy people's babies. So she was speaking to a woman who had sold her baby to a prostitute because in Chinese culture, um, you want children um, because you want someone to look after you when you're old. And so obviously, so this woman She had two other children and then she got pregnant and had a baby and then her husband left her. And so she said to Jackie, she said, I sold my baby to a prostitute. And she said, I had no choice. I had other children and I had no husband. I had no money. Well, the story goes on that that girl who was purchased by the prostitute was sold into prostitution. Well, that girl wanted out of prostitution. She didn't want to sleep with the men anymore. So she went to a loan shark. And as I understand it from Jackie, that um, these loan sharks, what they do is they're more than happy to give these girls wanting to come out of prostitution all the money that they want, but with very high interest, like 200% interest. And So this girl purchased money. I mean, she borrowed money from this man so that she can pay off what she owed over here. But then she became a debtor, a slave to this man. And his name was Michael. And it was probably just an obviously an American name for a Chinese man. And so this man had a huge brothel and, um, Anyway, so ironically, I'm not going to get into all the details. That girl somehow heard of Jackie and she called Jack. She contacted Jackie and she said, Jackie, I need a thousand dollars. I need a thousand dollars so I could pay off this man so I could be free. And she said, well, I don't even have a hundred dollars. And so what she did was she said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. And she had, she said she had one thing that was worth money. She had her own musical instrument. She played professionally and she, you know, before she came to China. So she sold it, got the thousand dollars, got the exact amount of money. And she told the girl, she contacted the girl and she said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I will give the money to you, but there are two conditions. One, I will give the money to the man and two, You must do everything you can to start a new life and to get away from that life. 
She said, I'll even help you. So she met the girl at a restaurant and these two men came in and the money was in a brown envelope on the table. And these two men come to the table and they grab the, the envelope and started walking away, away. And Jackie said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So she got up and she said, I want to give the money. And she goes, I want to talk to Michael. And the men were looking at her like, you're crazy. Basically, like no one ever gets to talk to him. Like, And she said, well, I want to talk to him. I have a message. They're like, why do you want to talk to him? She said, I have a message for him. And so they made a phone call and the man, Michael said yes. And the men looked strangely at Jackie, like, like what's going on? He never sees anybody. So she followed the men and they went into some high rise building on the 21st floor. And she said she walked into this place and there was like foot thick carpeting and teddy bears. She said it was disgusting. And there was golden cages with girls in them that were purchased by this man. And the man said to her, well, I think, so you think you, you must be feeling noble, don't you? You think that you're just going to, you, yeah, you paid off money for this girl. You think, you don't think I save girls. You don't think that I don't help women and girls. He said, you must think you're really noble, don't you? And he said, another thing. He said, you're foolish because all this money that you paid for her to be free will never change her. She'll just go back to being the same. She'll go back to doing the same thing. And she said, I don't care. I don't care. I didn't give the money to you so she can be free so that I can change her. Even if she goes back and does the same thing. I paid for her to be free because when I was a sinner, full of filth and sin, Jesus Christ died for me and he forgave me and he gave me a brand new life, even even when I didn't deserve it. And she said, I don't care. You know why? Because she was worth it. And I was worth it. She said, and you are worth it. And she said, the man stood there for 10 minutes with tears streaming down his cheeks. And said, never said another word. You see, people are worth it. No matter who they are. Because Jesus died for them, just like he died for me when I was yet dead in my trespasses and sin. Daniel and the three other, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Joseph, they were slaves. But they were not slaves inside. They didn't become slaves of men. They didn't bow themselves to foreign gods. They were free inside. You see, freedom is because it came because Jesus saw that you were worth it. He's not trying to get something out of you. He's trying to give something to you. Open up your hands and receive his freedom. 
You know, I think about what it says in John chapter 7. Let me just get there really quick. In John chapter 7, it says in verse 37, in verse 38, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, and at this point he was going toe-to-toe with the legal Pharisees. And at some point he was like, we're done here. And he cries out that last day. And he stands up and he cries out. He says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, if something is flowing through you, you're not respond. You're not making it happen. There's not some little invisible internal pump you're pumping. See, when you get it, when you are fully born again, look at the only requirement stands on: Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Are you hungry for Jesus? Because Jesus is crying out. And these are the last days when he said in that last day, that great day of the feast, these are the last days who, and he is still crying out. If any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. You know, thirst is greater than hunger. You can go without food, but you cannot go without water. When people are sick in bed, they're not hungry. The sick are not hungry. The sick are thirsty. When Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't hungry. He said, I thirst. See, the thirst is what drives a man. It says labor drives a man. Uh, 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 Hunger drives a man into his labor, as Proverbs says in Proverbs. But people will do anything for a drop of water. Look at look at the rich man in Luke 16, 19 through 31, when he was in hell. He lifted up his eyes. In Hades, hell is empty. Hades is an intermediary compartment of the wicked dead. But in his soul, see, in his soul, the soul is the imprint of your outward life. It's your personality. It's who you are. And in that intermediary state of the wicked dead, which are still filling up, he saw across the way, he saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. Now he may dip his finger in the water and put a drop of that water on my tongue. For I am tormented in this place. See, there is a spiritual thirst. There's no water in Hades. But there is a thirst. And that's all that man can think about is he thirsted in the afterlife. People in Hades right now are thirsting. 
in a place where I believe, he said, for I'm tormented in these flames. And they're a spiritual kind of flame. It's not like water. We can throw water on it and it'll go out. He's tormented in spiritual flames. But even in Hades, people thirst. And that was a picture into Hades about the torment that people are in because they remember everything when they were on earth. You know how it says, for we see through a glass darkly, then we shall see face to face, then we shall know all things as we are fully known. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And people that have gone to heaven and come back said they don't even need to be told everything. They know who's who. They're like, I know who that girl was. A little girl was talking to me and I knew she was from the third century and she lived in Antioch, Syria, and she was killed and she was telling me about her family. I mean, you know everything and they share, but it's not for information. It says people say that you just know everything. But so it is with people who go into the afterlife, into the under compartment of the world called Hades the compartment of the wicked dead, which will be emptied out at the great white throne judgment of the wicked dead. And if they are thirsting in Hades, they are going to thirst for eternity. And that lake of fire burning with brimstone for all eternity. There is a spiritual thirst Do you have that spiritual thirst? You know, so many people are not thirsty. They go around calling themselves, oh, I am a Christian, but they don't pray for anybody. They don't look outside of themselves. They live to their own thirst. They don't give a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple except to themselves. They kiss their own hand. There are is a true mark of real believers. You know what the work is? To believe. And to believe is to work. I look at 1 John 3, 14 through 17. It says, we know. We know. How do you know? Is it just because they read something? No, you know why? It's like once you have seen something, you know it. No one can tell you. You didn't see it. No, you really didn't see it. You would be like, no, 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 no. I know what I saw. No, you didn't really see it. You probably, have you ever had somebody do that to you? When you say, you know what I saw? I saw such and such and this and this happened. And they go, well, you may probably thought you saw that. Don't you feel enraged? Like what you're going to tell me what I'm seeing? You weren't even there. I know what I've seen. I know what I have heard. I know. I know. They could not, John could not say that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Are you going to tell John? Well, you probably thought you saw Jesus. I mean, you really can't be sure. I mean, after all, there were a lot of people named Jesus in those days. I mean, wasn't the name of Joshua really Jesus, meaning the Lord saves? I mean, you get all that, right? But man, I'll tell you, nothing makes me more angry when somebody tells me, well, maybe you thought you saw that I'm like, my fist wants to go through the table, okay? And say, you're going to tell me what I saw? Because the point I'm making is, once you have seen the Lord, once you have, once you have tasted, let me get back over here.
once you were enlightened, once, it doesn't say after a few times, like two or three times you came to like, okay, I, I believe now. It says once enlightened and have tasted, past tense, of the heavenly gift. And then you were made partakers because first you have to be enlightened. That means you have to see. And then you have to taste of the heavenly gift. Then you are made partakers through your born again experience, being born again from above, being a new creation. Old things passed away, right? You're a new creation. Then you're made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And then you begin to taste the word of God. There's a flavor to it. You crave it. Just like your body craves something delicious to eat. If you have no craving for the word of God, you have you have to really think about what you really are craving. It says, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. See, this is something now we, it's spiritual tangibleness, right? Faith is the evidence, faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And, you know, you think about all these people in faith. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Listen, see, you're not going to be discouraged. If, if you really get a sense of direction, see, there's, again, everybody's trying to have a sense of direction. Lord, what is my gift? What am I supposed to do? You want me to tell you what your gift is? The gift is already in you. It is already there. So many people go, Lord, I pray for this gift. I pray for that gift. Look, the day you were born again, you have received the gift of eternal life, the free gift of eternal life. And then if you had hands laid on you and you received the power of the Holy Spirit by the power of the spirit of baptism and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming upon you, then it says in verse 8 of chapter 1, but ye shall receive power after the, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into uttermost parts of the earth. From that moment, you don't need permission. You don't need someone to say, Okay, well, we'll let you start teaching Sunday school on every other Sunday. You don't need permission. I believe every single person that has been born again has been called into full-time ministry. And I hate to really use that word ministry. I like to use the word service. But when you come alive in Christ, it's not about checking in on Sundays to a building. You're a lively stone built up unto Jesus uh, to build up a spiritual house, to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. But when you forget where you've come from, then you're going to completely lose your sense of direction about where you're going. Next thing you know, you're going to be following the blind. And then you're going to, that's why you keep falling into a ditch. That's why so many people, they're thirsty. You know why people constantly live watching YouTube channels? 
listening to this word, listening to somebody having a dream, listening to somebody having a fresh new word every week. You know why they're doing it? Because they're thirsty. But you know, no living waters are flowing forth out of their bellies. And so they become discouraged because they're expecting something to happen. Or so are you saying, so I could just hear maybe somebody saying, so are we supposed to never expect it to happen? That's not what I mean. Of course we want to see God and we have seen him. That, that, that paving, that paved work is already done. Other men have labored and we have entered into their labors and other people are going to enter into my labors and into your labors. That's why you may never see it happen in people's lives because God is using multiple sources. You know that song, How Great Thou Art? You know the history of that show, that 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 song? It took 65 years to write it. One man wrote the first few words. And then somehow somebody in Germany got a hold of that in a church. And then that minister added on to it. And then it wound up somewhere in Ukraine. And then some other minister added to it. And then it wound up over here. And then before you know it, 65 years later, that song was written by the Holy Spirit from many nations through many languages and peoples and tongue. See, it's time to look outside of a tiny, narrow, little prison box. We're not prisoners. We are not slaves anymore. And when God talks about, told the people about the Sabbath, it's not that we're to keep a Sabbath and there's penalties. And some people, if you want to keep a Sabbath, go ahead. In Colossians chapter two, Paul says, go ahead and do it. Just don't go back into the law aspect of it. Go ahead. Observe new moons and feasts and Sabbaths. Go ahead. He didn't, there, there was no prohibition to it. I tell everybody, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But the point of the whole Sabbath was Jesus was saying, you can rest now. I bought you. I bought you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso has this world's good, and sees his brother have need, and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Let me tell you something what I learned about the word compassion. When the Bible was being translated into English, there was no word for compassion. There really was no word for compassion. But what that word compassion, they had to they had to create a word that talked. It wasn't a feeling. Compassion is not a feeling. It's gutsy. It's like when Jesus saw the people like They were all in the wilderness like sheep that had no shepherd. It said he looked upon them and he had compassion for them. It was in his guts. He felt something in his body. We have to feel that in our body. It's not an intellectual 
stimulation. It's not because we see something and then remember a word because see God lives in your body. The living waters flow forth from you. That compassion comes forth out of your gut. I was telling my husband today, I said, listen, I said, I don't want to serve the Lord from an intellectual capacity. I don't want to go toe to toe. If I have to defend the gospel, I'll do that. I said, but man, I, you know what it's all about? His heart. It's about the heart of Jesus. It's about my heart that's invested in Christ and his heart invested in me and in your life. See, when we shut up our bowels of compassion, are you really alive? Are you really free? Because really, freely you have received Therefore, freely give. And we can enter in to that rest that remaineth for the people of God. And we can work joyfully. And we can do spouses or people good and not evil all the days of our life. You need to be free inside too. Free to serve God for one reason only. You want me to tell you what that is? Out of gratitude for having been rescued from slavery. So we're all called to full-time service from the moment we were rescued, only for gratitude and not just to pay God back or to be accepted by people, just because only because he bought us. No one can buy you. No one can own you. And don't let yourself be owned. And that true freedom is not, that doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances. Though most of you, some of you can say, but John, I live in an abusive environment. Um, There's that class of people that are in circumstances that are not peaceful. And so you're omitted from this. But at the same time, can you be? Because really, look at all the people. Look at all these very rich people. My husband and I took a drive through Laguna and we went up the hill and all these mansions overlooking the ocean. I mean, they got to be like $10 million houses. And I said, yeah. They all have that big view in the big houses. And I'm thinking in my mind. It's the poor that the gospel is preached to. But yet they are poor too. And I pray that our life, your life, can be full of joy. And that you won't be discouraged anymore. And that you will choose to take off your garments and lay them aside, your slave clothes, and wear a towel around your waist for the rest of your life. Because there's joy in that service to God. Amen. God bless you. Go with the Lord.
and I will see you next Monday. Shalom.